0: Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. It is semifinal week here in the rainy Rose. Home City. Semifinal. The home semifinal. home semifinal once again, same as last year. The Portland and Thorns the play, and the year before, uh, the Portland Thorns play host to Gotham FC on Sunday. Um, going to be inevitably a packed house at Providence Park for what I think is going to be an intriguing matchup and a competitive one, as it seems always to be at this stage of the NWSL playoffs and any stage really in a league filled with so much parody, um, you know, a big day for, for the franchise, obviously wanting to, to win a game, to get into another championship game. And hopefully uh, you know, for their sake, they want to bring home the fourth championship in club history, which um, you know, but be- between the, the two things, the shield versus a championship, you know, if they had to pick one, they'd pick the ring every time. That's just how American sports fans view things. We've talked at length about the differences between the two, and you know, of course, the Thorns lost out on the Shield in the in the final match of the, the season. Of a a really brutal, yeah, second year in a row, five to one loss on the road um, at Angel City. Uh, so, so it has been, you know, as we've spoken about off air, a sort of Jekyll and Hyde type season for the Portland Thorns. Which team is going to show up on a given week? Um, typically. You know, after these rough results, after a, a loss or, um, you know, poor performance, they have bounced back this year. They have the advantage, obviously, of being home in one of, if not the best atmospheres in, in NWSL um, on their pitch, on the turf that they're used to playing on. Um, you know, it's it's all the factors are there for the Thorns to to win this semifinal and move on. But of course, it has not gone their way before. We saw it two years ago, hosting a semifinal and and losing with a lot of obviously external factors. Swirling yeah, that was around that was very much the hashtag the
1: external factors uh, playoffs. But you know, nonetheless, yes. lost on lost on on their home field in the semi. Yeah, and
0: there, and you know there are external and internal factors that that can play into a game like the one that's going to be played on Sunday. Right, this is a team that you know believes strongly in its identity as a championship team and and something of a dynasty they they wouldn't use that word but they are trying to build that in Portland in the NWSL and and so their standards are extremely high and you know players like Sam Coffey have come out and said things like they look like a championship team one week and bottom of the table the next week those are strong words from the captain yeah Sam Coffey and and so a lot to address a lot to to sort of analyze and dig into ahead of this matchup but I'm wondering Chris sort of what are some of the things that stand out most to you ahead of the semifinal matchup you know
1: I mean one of the big talking points that we've talked about before and that is sort of inevitably going to be an issue is the length of the layoff that the Thorns have had it like that game against Angel City just feels like forever and a day ago and that's in part because it was forever and a day ago oh, they have been off for a long long time Uh, they've had the international break. They had the first uh, round of the playoffs. Uh, It has been quite a while. Uh, When they play this weekend, it will have been three weeks since they played a competitive game. And that competitive game was not particularly competitive. And so, you know, that is a big layoff. I think in most circumstances, you would say that is too much. Uh, A team in the Thorns position does not want to be idle for that long, even if a good number of their folks were out in uh, in competitive circumstances with their national teams. Uh, and that, that doesn't set them up well for a one-and-done semifinal. I kind of think the way the Thorns ended things a few weeks ago maybe flips, that's on, flips that on its head, though. Uh, I, I think this team... I mean, the performance against Angel City was atrocious. It was awful. And this team looked like it needed an opportunity to to collect itself and to recenter itself and to get ready for what are now elimination games, two of them, hopefully maybe just one of them. Uh, And, uh, and, and so I think in, in this circumstance, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, do the thorns want to have that layoff between the last game of the regular season uh, and the semifinal, I would have said, absolutely not. That's the last thing in the world. They want, they want to keep playing and they want to keep dominating.
0: Yeah, and that's the thought that the team had as well. You know, all the players didn't want it. They thought it sucked. All the coaches were like, "No, please. Let's not have this." But there was a hint of sort of, "Okay, maybe we do need maybe this." We, yeah. After after that Angel City game, like Megan Klingenberg said it, I believe Sam Coffey may have said it as well, that that having this time to sort of self-reflect may actually be their benefit.
1: Absolutely. And uh and so I think the Thorns are probably now and I would guess it's a widely shared perspective, pretty thankful, uh, that they've had this opportunity to, to collect themselves, uh, and get ready for, for these playoff games. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, that's certainly one of the big talking points, but nonetheless, I mean, how, what are we going to see, uh, from this team when they come out? Uh, I mean, we, they have had the Jekyll and Hyde nature over the course of the last few months. Uh, you can't do that in these, albeit very short playoffs. Uh, you, you've got to be, I mean, I don't know which, I, I'm just not well schooled enough in the, in the, uh, in the literature to know which is like the good one, Jekyll or Hyde, but you need the good one. <laughs> like you can't have the bad one. You need the good one. Uh, and you need the good one twice. Uh, and so, uh, I, I can see Ryan on the other side of the internet going, going to the internet to try to find, uh, answers to my questions. Uh, but you got to have the good one twice because if you show up with the bad one once, that's the end of the season right whether it's in the semifinal or or in the final you're going to be done.
0: Jekyll is the good one, Hyde is the bad one. Two Jekylls, one. Uh, no Hides.
1: That's what you need. That's what the this playoffs so, is all about.
0: So, Dr. Henry Jekyll uh, created a serum to separate this hidden evil in his personality uh from from, you know, his his brain, right? He uh in doing so uh, Jekyll transformed into the smaller, younger, cruel, and remorseless uh, Hyde, who is considered the evil between the two. I, off the top of my head, did not remember that either, so thank yeah. you to the internet. Yeah, it
1: came through again. Uh, I mean, in fairness, that might be like some AI-generated answer. That's just totally nonsense. Um, but The grammar seemed okay, right, that's so it good. probably all wasn't. Right. We'll go yeah. with it for now, but if, if, if we're wrong, it's because you know, Mark Zuckerberg screwed it up.
0: Uh, Yeah. Easy person to blame. And usually the really,
1: really nice. I mean, Elon Musk gets a, gets his fair share too, but, uh, but really nice to have, have those kinds of folks around to, to, you know, point to for all the world's ills. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you need two Jekylls, no hides. And if they come out in this game, look, we, we saw this Thorns team play Gotham in Portland very recently. And it was a game and it, it was a Jekyll game right? The Thorns were really good. They controlled that game. Uh, they, they got the goal through Hina Sugita uh, in the second half. and But for a couple of nervous moments late, uh, that would have been a pretty one, comfortable 1-0 victory. As it was, it was only a slightly uncomfortable 1-0 victory, but it was a 1-0 victory nonetheless. And, you know, I, I think if, the, if we see that from the Thorns, I don't see any reason to expect a different result. In fact, if anything, given the the fact that Sophia Smith is, is certainly going to play a larger role in this game than she did in that game. I can't remember. Was that the game where she made her first sort of brief cameo or was it the next week? Uh, but uh, she's going to play a role and certainly a significantly larger role uh, in this upcoming game in the semifinal than she did uh, in that game. And that only makes the thorns more dangerous. Right. Right. And so, you know, all of those factors make you think, boy, if, if the, if the Jekyll thorns show up, this is a game that sets up well for them to win, but don't take from that. The, the takeaway from that game is not that Gotham is not dangerous. Gotham's dangerous. They've got some players who can score some dangles. Uh, there's a reason Gotham is in the semifinal and it's not because of luck or bounces or anything like that. It's because they've got bona fide genuine weapons. And so if the Hyde thorns show up, even for a little bit, this could get real dicey real fast. So, I mean, that's, that's the question. Is it going to be Jekyll or Hyde? Uh, And I, I, I agree with you that there are some circumstances that seem to align with this, maybe being more likely a Jekyll game than a Hyde game. But, We've seen exceptions to that, right? I mean, the, the, the game against San Diego, uh, that would have been one that would have locked up the shield if they'd gotten the result, uh, was certainly a hide game. That was at Providence park. Uh, that was, that seemingly had a lot of the same factors pointing in the same direction and and they belly flopped, uh, and a game that wasn't particularly competitive, frankly. I mean, it was a two zero, but it was like a two zero, uh, It wasn't like a, oh, 2-0, that was was unjust. It was like, it was, no, that was 2-0.
0: It was at least 2-0. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and so, you know, I don't think anybody can be all that confident in which Thorns team is going to show up. Now, you hope that the 11 or 18 Thorns who are in the team uh, are much more confident. About that, and have built that confidence over the course of these three weeks, including some time away for some key players, but also including some training time uh, for the group. And that's what's going to be necessary. That's the task that's been before Mike Norris, uh, and and we'll see. Uh, Norris has answered some of those questions uh, that we've asked of him this year, and he's not answered some of the questions that we've asked of him this year. And so we'll see. Uh, but it it I think it's it's you know pointing toward pretty high drama uh, coming up on Sunday.
0: Yeah, this is a Gotham team that comes in, you know, riding high and and wanting to sort of be this team of destiny type vibe, rallying around Allie Krieger, and and you know that that's a big part of it, but you know Krieger is is only one piece of a very complicated and you know dangerous puzzle here. Like you've got Lynn Williams and uh Yasmeen Ryan, both of whom, you know, Ryan is a former Thorn, so there's a little extra motivation for her there, but both of them being incredibly dangerous attacking players that, you know, if those hide thorns show up, the biggest issues for them have been on the defensive side of the ball, right? It's it's been, you know, issues in wide areas and getting beat on the counter and, you know, these all these things that lend themselves to to Gotham's play style. Now, that was a concern coming into that Gotham game earlier this season, a few weeks ago. uh, And the Thorns answered them, as you said, you know, basically flawlessly. I mean, save for a, a sketchy moment where Lynn Williams nearly scored at the end of the game, which was close, but not close enough to be like they escaped by the skin of their teeth. They dominated the game defensively they they held uh Gotham to a very limited number of opportunities Gotham's possession numbers were low uh Portland could very easily have won that match two or three zero but you know that those are the type of performances defensively that end up being the difference when maybe you're throwing a lot at the wall and not all of it sticks right you know credit to Hina Sagita obviously for being the one to break through but you know, in those scenarios, those are the type of performances you need to win playoff games, frankly. Playoff soccer, you know, in NWSL in particular, um, it's just a different level. You know, and and rising to the moment and playing that type of lockdown, you know, heavy communicating, um, you know, well-moving defense that this Thorns team is capable of playing, regardless of personnel, uh, is, is what it's going to take. Against Gotham because I think that you know given that they're going to have Sophia Smith back likely as a starter, um, who knows how many minutes maybe she'll she'll be able to go probably not a full ninety just given the the timeline of recovery there but um, given that they'll have her up top to to raise hell and Morgan Weaver continuing to do what she's done um, if she can sort of regain that form that she was in prior to the last couple games of the season. Um, you know, the attacking weapons, you you don't even really need to talk about them because it's so obvious given that the Thorns led the league in goals for two consecutive seasons by a huge margin that the attacking talent and, um, you know, prowess is there. The biggest questions really are, you know, as we spoke a little bit about off air, how the midfield will shape up, who's going to be in that midfield and, how they match up with Gotham's and then of course the, the defensive stuff that we talked about, particularly the wide areas with Klingenberg and Natalia Quica who had brutal, brutal games and they would be the first to admit that against an angel city team that has sort of a similar kind of, you know, build Yeah, I mean, they're going to be looking to at Gotham Lynn Williams
1: team. and Midge purse, right? With Esther Gonzalez up top. Uh,
0: that's a task. <laughs> that's a task. Yeah. That's no, e- that's no easy. Task, and Jenna and so... Neiswalker
1: in midfield is, has, is a rookie of the year candidate. Yasmin Ryan uh, is having a breakout year. I mean, th- this, is, this Gotham team is legit and, and they're legit in ways that at least on paper, you would think can break down and exploit some of the areas in which the thorns have been weak.
0: Right. And so that brings up the idea of personnel, the, you know, the, um, the people that we will see in those positions, typically, this season and in previous seasons, this Thorns team has, has leaned on veteran experience in big games like this over maybe the tactical personnel that would make possibly more sense in the scenario, right? Because if, if you're going just by personnel and form and sort of what you think would be the ideal starting lineup... From from a skill standpoint and from a fit standpoint, you're looking more at people like Olivia Moultrie and Rocky Rodriguez in central midfield than you would necessarily at Christine Sinclair, who obviously, you know, is a club legend and all the other superlatives. But Sinclair to me is is the one that is probably more likely to start just based on that sort of precedent that has been set by Mike Norris and by other coaches and just the, the value they place in veteran leadership. And the same goes for, you know, the outside back spots, you know, you could make an argument that maybe given recent performances, Raina Reyes might be a better, better move uh, on either of those outside back spots, either for Quica or for Klingenberg. It's typically been for Klingenberg in terms of substitution. Yeah. Although, although there would be an
1: argument for Quica here, given that she had a ton of travel, uh, Essentially, midweek or on the weekend, around the weekend, uh, with national team travel that Kling didn't have, uh, and so yeah. that there would be that argument there. But I, I agree that would ordinarily be a question that we would very much be asking going into this week.
0: Right, right, and and otherwise, you know, it's it seems pretty set in stone that we're going to see people like Becky Sauerbrunn and Emily Mangus in central defense. And, um, you know, obviously Bixby between the wickets and, you know, Sam coffee leading, leading the way as she does as a bona fide MVP candidate, which we can maybe talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. You know, the, the coffee versus Smith debate, if you're a Thorns fan who thinks it's gotta be a thorn for MVP, which one would you pick? But, um, you know, the, the, the sicko answer is coffee and and the more maybe practical answer would probably be Smith. But um, either way, like the, the rest of the team, you, you feel pretty solid about in terms of the talent and, you know, the performance is the uh, is the other question, because, you know, some some of the performance aspects, regardless of talent, have not been up to snuff from some of those high-quality players. Yeah, I
1: think the selection... I agree with you. I think it's unlikely that they're going to make a change at the fullback positions. I've been scratching my head a little bit as to why they haven't for the last few weeks of the regular season anyway, because it was becoming pretty clear that that was a weakness. And like, arguably, your best player on the bench slots right in there uh, in Renny Reyes, who has had a strong rookie campaign. Uh, So I'm surprised that that move hasn't been considered or made uh, to this point given the performance at angel city i think there would be a very good argument to make that move in one of those two spots especially given that you're facing up against two very potent very athletic wide forwards in midge purse and lynn williams i would want a little bit more athleticism in that spot and that's exactly what rana gives you uh, she gives you a bit more strength and a bit more athleticism and i think you're going to need both in spades uh, at least on one of those two sides uh and uh and so you know i i I think it's hard to make a move like that in in you know in this kind of spot right before a semifinal when you haven't been making that selection over the course of the last several months, really since the World Cup break, several weeks not several months, several months would be like the beginning of the season, just mathematically. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, if I were Mike Norris, that would very much be a thought in my head. And if I had three weeks to train, that would very, very much be a thought in my head uh, with three weeks to, to prepare and get her worked in and training. And so, you know, I, I, I hope it was at least considered, but I agree with you, it, it probably will not come to pass. The central midfield selection is an interesting one. You, you know, if you remember back to that game in which the the Thorns performed well uh, against Gotham several weeks back, several weeks, uh, they they started Hina Sugita in central midfield. Hina was the the, the primary pairing uh, with Sam Coffee, with Olivia Moultrie sitting above the two of them. Uh, in, in in central midfield, and that was that was interesting. We haven't seen that a whole lot, really, since Hina sh- like showed up. That was where she played a lot when she first came to Portland, uh, as in sort of that eight role. She's moved out primarily to the wing over the course of the last year plus, and she stepped back into that and into that eight role uh, in in that game against Gotham and performed well, and that was a good look. Uh, I don't know, especially with the way the front three of Hina, Sof, and Morgan Weaver have performed over the course of the year, which is phenomenally when those three were together, like the best unit in the league when those three were together. I don't think that's the direction I would go simply because I want that front three, right? I don't want to sacrifice that. Uh, if I've got that front three available, I want it. And, uh, and so I would look elsewhere, I think for my central midfield pairing, Look, Rocky Rodriguez has been a little bit inconsistent. I think it is only fair to acknowledge uh, over the course of this period, she has good company in that. I don't mean to call her out specifically. There have been a number of players uh, that you could put in that category. She's been inconsistent, but I keep going back to the fact that the best soccer that the Thorns have played over the course of the year has been when Sam Coffee and Rocky Rodriguez have been paired and paired well together. That is the best this team has looked. And if you take that, and combine it with that potent potent front three, I still remain convinced that that is your best team. And then, you know, whether it's Olivia Moultrie or Christine Sinclair uh, or or Crystal Dunn, I think is probably more likely at the 10 uh, in that. I think that's your best sort of midfield to attacking six with Crystal running the 10, uh, Hina and and, uh, Morgan Weaver out wide and Sophia Smith up top. Now, if Soph isn't able to go, I mean, probably pretty close to 90 you would want her fit for uh, in a game like this because you wouldn't necessarily want to get to the hour and have to pull Sophia Smith off the field. Uh, if she's not fit to go uh, to go the distance, I think maybe that complicates that decision. But in terms of setting up the midfield, that's, that's I think the best unit the Thorns have. That said, your observation is right that when sort of backs have been against the wall this thorns team has most often gone with experience over necessarily fit and so i don't i mean i i don't think it sets sinclair up for success especially as the season is dragged on um but i wouldn't be surprised to see her in that central midfield unit and we'll see i mean sink is a gamer and so and so if there if there's anybody who can pull a little bit of a rabbit out of a hat, I mean, there are very few people in the world I would trust more uh, to do that than Christine Sinclair. Uh,
0: exactly. And I think that there are others like Klingenberg and Sauerbrunn who who are that way, even if they might not be the, the right selection in the moment at this stage in their career. It's just sort of who, who these women are. And, and, you know, it's been Successful in the past. That's not to say that you know making that choice if you're Mike Norris is going to cause you know the the everything to fall apart. It's more likely not based on previous performance. I mean, they won the championship last year with that approach, so yeah, you know it it worked out. But we'll see how that applies to this season and this specific matchup and this. It's team.
1: a year later, <laughs> and
0: oh, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I think
1: I. I I very much lean more toward 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 fit and form than vibes, uh, and and you know I understand the the argument on the other side, but for me it's it's a matter of putting the best personnel on the field in the in the roles that fit them well and that set them up, up well for success, and if the thorns have those six available uh, in the midfield in the attack, I I think that's the setup um, that that just makes the most sense. Um, and look, I, I I'm excited about the idea of bringing in somebody like Christine Sinclair off the bench to make an impact late on in a game like that. I'm excited about the idea of putting Olivia Moultrie uh, and bringing her in off the bench late in a game like this with the opportunity um, with the opportunity to make a difference in a big spot. I think she's
0: ready for that uh yeah she's got like game winning goal yeah like she can she can pull off something like i think she
1: and and so you know it it, that's not to say that i think those players should be marooned to the bench never to be seen in this game they absolutely almost certainly have a role to play for me but in terms of setting up the team to dictate the game and control the game that to me is is the way to do it um And we'll see if Mike Norris agrees. I, I, I am quite confident he won't with respect to Rodriguez. Mike Norris and I just rate Rocky Rodriguez differently. I think in the moments in which the Thorns have been good with that coffee and Rodriguez pairing, uh, my view and I think our collective view uh, has been vindicated. Uh, I, I think there have also been weaker moments. But frankly, I think the hook has come really quickly after those weaker moments. Uh, much more quickly than they have for some others. Uh, and so we'll see, we'll see. But, you know, I mean, if the game goes well, then he'll, he'll look like a genius if it goes poorly. Well, that's why we got a podcast.
0: <laughs> that's always how it goes, right? You know, you, you, hindsight is 2020 in sports. It's always, you know, you succeed and you're, you know, this, this mastermind, this genius. And, you know, if, if you fail, then, you know, it's all your fault and, you know, see you later, but you're, you're, you know, you're, people calling for you're, your either you're either the mastermind or the anti-hero. Yes,
1: that, that was that was for Jackie.
0: Uh, I guess, you know, tangentially, that was also for Emma, yeah. uh, our, two of our most loyal listeners. Um, so moving to the MVP discussion, which I think is worth having ahead of, you know, this game and then obviously the announcement for the award and the other in-season awards or regular season awards uh, are set to be announced ahead of the, the championship match in San Diego next week. Um, Sam Coffey and Sophia Smith are both nominated for MVP, two of the five candidates coming from the thorns, two players who I think are, you know, wholly deserving of being in that conversation. Um, there is a a lot of layers to it. I I think that Soph, Soph was my vote. So I, I had a media vote and I picked Sophia Smith for MVP. I didn't Um, have a vote to be
1: clear. I'm, I'm a (laughs) non-voter. You were a fan voter, though. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just go yeah. into the, the
0: the mess of of the internet. Yeah, you're just you're just part of the the plebeians, the regular right. people who you know get to get to vote. Uh, but with my media vote, I picked Soph number one. It was it's rank choice, so I, I put Soph number one, Caroline number two, and Sam Coffee number three. Um, there are people who have presented strong arguments that coffee more than Smith, who obviously had an amazing season with 11 goals and five assists that coffee who led the league in assists and was a quintessential holding midfielder all season and was a big reason why the thorns had their success should be the winner of this MVP award. And I think it's an interesting debate because it, it sort of says a lot, not only about what type of soccer fan you are, but also just sort of how you view the game. And and I'm wondering from your vantage point, like if you, if you had the sort of ranked choice, you know, media type vote, uh, or if you, if you, if you had the magic wand and you, you had the power to decide right now with your infinite wisdom, who the, who the MVP should be between Soph and Sam coffee. What, what's your, what's your pick? Look, a couple
1: like? of caveats before I get into the, the results. First of all, I just want to make clear, that I I am like the I, I'm some sort of officer. I don't know if I'm like the president or the vice president or the secretary or the treasurer, but I'm like I, I have some sort of official position. And when I say official position, I mean unofficial position because this isn't a real thing. Uh, in in the Sam Coffee Fan Club, uh, I am I am a Sam Coffee stan. I I think she's one of the best players in the league. I think you can make a really compelling case that she had as good a season as any player in the league. And if MVP was just was a sort of just, you know, horse race for who had the best season, uh, I think you could really easily justify same Coffee. And and look, I, I think that's a justifiable way to look at the MVP race, to look at the MVP sort of question, too. But if you're going to be a literalist, a textualist, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to Antonin Scalia this and be a hard textualist as to, as to most valuable player, I I actually would have exactly the same top three as you. Um, I I And look, it, the argument against Sophia Smith is that she missed a lot of the season, both with the World Cup and, uh, and because of her injury, injury shortly after the World Cup, right? Uh, and that is that is the really only argument for for Soph because uh, if Soph had played a full season where she did what she did primarily through the first half of the season, we wouldn't be having this discussion. This this conversation would be over. She would have won. It wouldn't even be a. Debate. She would have won she with like ninety So far devote. ahead. Yeah. This this would have yeah, been. Yeah. This would have been like you know. Some uh, failing democracy, election of a dictator, like levels of, of uncompetitiveness, of electoral uncompetitiveness, right? I mean, she would have gotten Putin-like numbers. So, so we wouldn't even be having this discussion. And frankly, I think when you saw the thorns with Sophia Smith and the thorns without Sophia Smith, sometimes they made it work without Soph- but they were never dominant like they were with Sophia
0: Smith and i think yeah i think about that spirit game in particular right before the world cup where she had a hat trick Just it was silliness. it was unbelievable it was silliness and it was unbelievable individual brilliance from sophia smith but it was also team brilliance yeah. and the fact that you know her value and how great she is individually makes every single player around her better and i think that the stride that she made in terms of the assist numbers is as compelling an argument as any that she deserves the award because not only did she put up the huge goal numbers just as she did last year, but she took that extra step. And I actually talked to Lauren Donaldson about this, her former coach at real Colorado, who's now the former coach of, of Jamaica. Um, you know, he, he s- spoke about how excited he was that she had taken that step because he was always one of those people in self's life who sort of, Drove her competitive spirit and kind of molded her and helped her along to become the player that she became uh, with with her own work ethic and ability. Like, And that it, was also the knock that, on her,
1: right? I mean, if there was yeah, a knock was on her knock coming is into is the season she, is, is that she was not a great box passer, uh, that she yeah, was people pretty were, would goal talk focused, about her, to, sometimes to the yeah, detriment people, of the team.
0: Yeah, exactly. They would use terms like selfish, which is ridiculous, but Absolutely. they would say things like that about she was just, somebody clear, who she was just a striker. <laughs> that's just yeah, how She was striker a striker. Is. She, and she was scoring goals. So a very like she good was, striker she, too, but yeah. Yeah. She was extremely productive. So even if that was true, who cares, you know, but, but that's besides the point, like Soph has taken such major strides this year. And despite the injury, despite missing a, a few games because of that in the world cup, Uh, She still led the league in goals. She still was to me proven to be the most valuable player on the, on what was the best team this season. You know, they didn't finish with the most points, but I think the thorns were the best team and, you know, consistency issues aside, you know, that's, that's a question they're going to have to answer in these playoffs, but she was, she was the best player on the best team. And I think that Sam Coffey you know she was the second best player on the yeah, best and, team. Yeah and you know I
1: I don't even necessarily think of it that way. I mean I also sort of think of it from the perspective of just having watched games identifying players who sort of single-handedly flip a game. Right? Who can take a game from being competitive to uncompetitive just just because of their own individual brilliance. I think both Soph and Caroline have stronger arguments sort of in that measure of most valuableness than, than Sam Coffey does. And that is absolutely no knock on on Coffee, who, uh, who is, frankly, I mean, if I were starting, if I were an expansion team and I could pick any player in the league, I would be very interested in Sophia Smith. Don't get me wrong. I might maybe even probably would take Sophia Smith. I would think really hard, though, about taking Sam Coffey uh because in I, i'm a big believer that you build a team from the middle out and if there was if and if i were to choose one player who i wanted to say my central midfield is sorted now for the next decade sam coffee my player take sophia smith maybe she's here for a year or two or three and then you know is going to go on to 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 other challenges i might look at sam coffee and say that's my cornerstone um oh. and and so, you know, that is sort of how I, I view coffee, which I, I, I view her in, in superlative terms. But in terms of most valuable player, and this is, I mean, folks would very rightly say, this is why MVPs always go to attacking players, and that's not wrong. Um, that's a fair criticism, uh, and one that I'm not entirely comfortable with. But nonetheless, uh, it, by that measure of MVP, I, I, I think Smith and, and Caroline are on a little bit of a different level. For sure. I
0: mean, there, there's multiple you know, awards rewarding different areas of the field. There isn't a holding midfielder of the year award, unfortunately, but, but yeah, like that's, that's, that's sort of the, um, you know, the scenario that, that they're in, um, is, is there is, there's only the defender award there. There's the defender award, the, uh, the goalkeeper of the year award golden boot, but no, no, yeah, the golden boot, but no, no holding midfielder. What What would be your perspective on that? Should there be a holding midfielder of the year award? I mean, look who you're asking. I like, I, I, I basically like my
1: entire vibe is central midfielders, right? Like, but, like that is just my like that is that is my brand. <laughs> of course, like, of course, I would pay for the trophy. <laughs> like that is like my thing. Oh. It would be, I mean, because I would be paying for the trophy. It it would be kind of a cruddy one because it would be like The Shield because, you know, I'm I'm not going to pay that much for it. But I would buy the trophy.
0: (laughs) Would it just be like Diego Chara? Like just his his face? Certainly not for
1: NWSL. Ooh, That's a good question. Who would I name the trophy
0: after? Ah yes, that's an even better mm. question. Who's like Who's like the all time holding midfielder for you know NWSL or for you know sort of the women's game in general that you could? Let's discuss this choose. on a future podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe by I, the time I want it, some time. Well, maybe by the time it becomes an award, by the time the league and comes and I and, it, I and yeah, I and dig up enough money from the couch cushions. Yes, then then maybe by then you could call it. The Sam Coffee Award. She's at the end of her career. She's made this amazing name for herself and established, you know, how valuable this position is. Perhaps someday, in the distant future, it's the Sam the Coffee Award.
1: Uh, it it could be in the distant future the Sam Coffee Award. Uh, I would really want to think though about who who I named the award after. Assuming that this isn't too far in the distant future, I'm going to need to go elsewhere. Got to be legendary. There are some good
0: choices, some good options. Check back. Okay, we'll talk about it maybe on the next podcast. Maybe they'll they'll have announced MVP by then. that's possible, but it's looking like that will probably come either the day or two before the championship game, which is on the 12th. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's going to be a big weekend. Uh, Hopefully it's a big weekend for the Thorns. (laughs) Otherwise, it'll be just kind of a sad for the Thorns. Yeah, like they'll maybe they'll bring home an award or two and have some best 11 players. But, you know, the big thing is the championship. You know, they they're all happy to, you know, achieve these individual things. And it adds to the lore of of who they are as individuals and players. puts a little in extra in cheddar in players. the pockets. The Ched's always good, but they want this championship badly. And, you know, it. It. Everything that's been said, all the superlatives that have been used about the thorns by people like you and me, by people in the media in general, by those in the soccer world, um, those are essentially meaningless unless you sort of do the thing that you say you want to do. Right. And that's what lies in front of the thorns this Sunday uh, against Gotham. So that will wrap it up for big stakes. Big stakes. Find Big find stakes. your way down
1: there. Just if you're on the west side, don't take Max.
0: Yeah, that's another piece I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up is that if you typically ride the Max to games, the blue and red lines are shut down essentially completely uh, after the Washington Park stop. So that means that if you live west of the zoo stop and typically take don't, the Max to Providence Park, don't do it. You can't shout out that. to Max. You though. can't eat. Yeah, public transit is important. Yeah, and
1: and and Max in general punches above its weight for uh, for mid city public transit. Big big Max fan. Even if I have some notes right now, uh, big Max fan overall. A uh, little bit of a shocker, but unlucky uh, for Max this 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 Sunday. Uh, we'll hope the Thorns. Uh, I mean, a little bit of a hide game for for Max on Sunday, but but hopefully the Thorns you know represent with the Jekyll and we can all, all move
0: on. Yeah, I have several notes, but I do appreciate the value of public transit in general. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX, at Chris Reifer and at Ryan T. Clark. Like us, subscribe to us wherever we you get your pods. There are shuttle buses coming from the Sunset Transit Center that you can take to Providence Park if you choose to go that route. Or you could drive or you could walk if you live in the area. Th- those are pretty much your only options no you can't land your small plane on the turf i don't think that anybody would be terribly happy about that other than that that'll wrap it up for us we'll catch you next week thorns play sunday if they win we're on to san diego
1: going to Town.
0: thanks for joining us